Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. <clears throat> My name is Patrick Hayes. I'm your regular host, and Caleb Jenks, my co-host, is working on getting on board here. So we're going to give him a second before we cue him in so we don't have to listen to the, the rustling around of his microphone rubbing on the desk and him dropping it on the ground and then stepping on it before he gets his headset on. So I'm going to spare you that, and I'm just going to assume you said thank you. So with that being said, tonight's topic is money. So we are going to be talking about money, how to make it, where to get it, and why you should want some of it. And we're going to, I don't know, I'm pretty sure we're going to try to tie this into the Bible to some degree, but we are just going to be talking a little bit about, you know, money and uh, and all the ideas that Caleb and I have about it. Forgive me. Okay, we're bringing Caleb in. And I am going to try sharing this video. So let's see how this goes. Okay, there we go. Caleb, welcome. How are you tonight? Can't hear you. No audio is coming through. All right. You should have me now. There we go. You're on. So quick intro. We're talking about money, how to get it, and why you should want it. <clears throat> so I okay. actually put together a whole bunch of questions um, do you want me to start with some of those or give an intro and do you want to share this video around or what do you want me to do? I can burn a minute or I can start firing questions at you. Cause I got an idea. I know I'll, where I'll, I know where I wanted to start as far as a question. All right, go for it. I'm going to go ahead and share it on Facebook here then. Okay. Sounds great. <clears throat> and for those of you that might be new here, you can find us on Spotify and Google Play. I believe you can also find us on iHeartRadio. And we would ask if you are listening to us on the podcast side, please follow us and uh, on Facebook every uh, Friday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time or 8 p.m. Central. On, uh, on a Sunday night, you can find us doing a live video and you can chat with us and send in comments and ask questions and, and make fun of us and uh, enjoy the live video with us. So we'd ask that you do that. And we are at Facebook. Uh, I think it's our, our handle is at Bible Thumper 1611, or it's hashtag Bible Thumper 1611. Honestly, I have no idea which one it is, uh, nor do I know how to find it using that handle. But I was no, sure if you, go, if you Google Bible Thumper, we'll pull up on Facebook, though. Oh, great. Okay. Bible Thumper podcast on Facebook, you'll, it'll pull us up. So... I had a lot of ideas as far as what it, what I wanted to uh, talk about here, but uh, where I, where I wanted to start was defining rich or wealthy, and the reason I wanted to go there is everyone you know wants to be rich, everyone wants to be wealthier. Most people, I'd say, want to. And I think we need to define that. And then I think we need to talk for at least a minute about why it would be good to be rich. Because I think a lot of folks don't have the, the idea down. And because of that, um, they're, they're, not in a good, they're not in a good place. So <clears throat> I'm going to define it right now. And the way I'm going to do that uh, is I'm going to say that being rich or wealthy could be the ability to afford everything you want. 
Now, whether you want to define it that way or not, it doesn't matter, but I want to give you an idea here. Far too many people think that being rich is having the ability to buy whatever you want. And if that's the case, that's fine. But in order to be rich, that means all you have to do is only want what you already have. And there you go. Congratulations, you're rich. Because you have the ability to afford everything you want. And the only stuff you want is everything you have. Isn't that neat? Yeah. So many people didn't even know that they might be able to count themselves as rich today. So <clears throat> now here's the real question. What's the purpose of wealth? What's the purpose of getting rich? What's the purpose of having piles and piles of money? Because if I'm going to have a lot of money, I want it to be like Scrooge McDuck kind of rich, a big old vault that I can jump into and swim around in the gold coins. I don't know how that works, but I've seen it on the cartoons and it looks fun. So the whole reason to have wealth is to be able to buy yourself time. It's to be able to have the ability to do the things that you want to do. It's to have freedom. Now, what you do with that freedom, we're, we're going to get to that. But the fact is, the reason a lot of us spend a lot of hours every day, a lot of hours through every week working is to make money to pay for all the things that you need. You need food to eat. You need clothes on your back. You need heat in the winter. Unless you live in Texas. I don't know if you guys do. You might be able to get yeah, by. We got heat on right now. I you think do? it's getting out of like 58 degrees tonight. Whoa. So heat on. Pipes are a freezing. Okay, so <clears throat> you need heat in the winter. And if you're like me, you definitely like air conditioning in the summer. And in order to have those things, what you need is money. So that's the reason that a lot of us get up and work hard and sweat all day long. The idea behind having wealth or riches is that you don't have to do that anymore. Now you can spend the time doing the things that you want. And I'm assuming that most of the folks listening here are going to be Christians. We're all, you know, saved and on our way to heaven one day when we die. I would hope that most of us, if we had the money and could have the time, we would want to spend that time with our family and serving God in some capacity. And honestly, if you don't want to be doing those things, I think you're wasting your time trying to get rich, trying to be financially free. Because I've been at people's side when they're laying on their deathbed. And not one time in my life did I hear anyone say, man, I wish I put a few more hours in at the office. You know, boy, I, you know, wish I got to ride on one more roller coaster. Oh, boy, if I just had one more milkshake. Right. When everyone gets to the end of their life, they wish they had more time to spend with their family or do something for the Lord. And that's it. So I hope that's the reason that everyone might be tuning in when you see the title and you're thinking, yeah, I want to make some money. I want to get rich. I would hope that you want to spend your time with your family and serving God. What do you think about that, Caleb? Why should you get rich? <clears throat> well, um, I, I thought of a, a verse whenever you, whenever you talked about um, learning to be content with what you have, learning to want mm -hmm. what you already have. And there is, there are so many of us that, that have so much 
um, especially at, at this point in our lives, like you said, spending more time with your family, more time with your children. Um, I look at it with, with my family and, and four years ago, I was thinking, man, I, I don't want these years to slip by my daughter. She was just three years old. And I was thinking that I don't want to forget these memories. You know, that these, these days are going to go by so fast. Well, now we got three kids and another one on the way. And it's hard to even remember some of, some of what the younger kids were like when they were two or three years old, when they were going through the stages that our, you know, our youngest daughter is going through right now. And so I, I think about that. And it's like, sometimes almost all you'll have to, to remember, and this is just, my, my oldest daughter's seven years old, so I'm only seven years into it. And I still have to look back at pictures and videos sometimes to remember what the kids were like then. And it's like, man, those were, we were such a cute little family, you know, just my wife and I and our one daughter. And the time that we had spending, spending time together, going to the beach, doing, doing things together. Um, those are times where, where you look back and it's like, man, that, these, these are the golden years, so to speak. And when I, when mm-hmm. I'm 80 years old or on my deathbed, whenever that is, um, to look back and, and remember the times like this, um, we take it for granted a lot. I end up taking off and going and working and doing other things and pushing my family to the side. Even now, um, even though I do less now than I used to. Um, so to me, I think that should be the number one goal is to learn how to use what God has given us, which our resources, money is, is one of the most important ways that we can utilize what God has given us and be a good steward over in a way that it frees us up to be able to actually enjoy our time on earth, our life here uh, with our families, which is, is a very important part. Um, but the second most important or meaningful relationships that we have would be, you know, our friends and, you know, people from church, whatever. And um, when you're constantly busy chasing, chasing um, the dollar because you're living the almighty dollar, like paycheck to paycheck, um, it makes it hard to really make time for friendships and relationships because you're constantly stressed and and pressed for work. And so to, to let those years slip by is, it really is a shame because that is the one thing that is limited here that we have on earth. Everything else is the sky's the limit, so to speak, but the, the time is ticking mm-hmm. on our, on our time here. So there's a verse in, in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 13, five says, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Uh, that's a, that is a, a good remi- reminder what you what you mentioned there. What virgin was that? All right, you want to pull it up in King James? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me see. It sounded like you were reading a you... comic book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me. Hebrews 5.13? Usually I make sure whenever I'm making my notes okay. that I that I copy and paste out of King James Version, but mm-hmm. I may have I may have got something, some random version. I... That's okay. Okay. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that sounds like God talking right there. (laughs) And that was the, that's funny because I, when I looked up that verse, I looked it up because I was thinking, I was thinking of that verse. And just now when I read it, I didn't even recognize it as the never leave thee nor forsake thee. (laughs) That's funny. Isn't that funny? So, Caleb, you made me think of something I wanted to add in. Now, I'll tell you what, the absolute saddest time in my life is when my Facebook feed shows me a picture of my kids five years ago. And I think to myself, oh, my soul, those days are gone. They were so little and so cute. And why didn't I spend more time around them? You want to know why? 
John working. Dad was working. Yep. Dad's working. And and I, you want to know the number one reason that I wanted to have a certain level of wealth in my life was so that we could be a one income family. I wanted to make enough money so that my wife didn't have to go to work. So even though I didn't get to see all of those precious times, my kids got to spend them all with their mom. Their mom homeschools them and uh, they got to uh, spend all that time you know, with their mom, even though I didn't get to spend it all with them. And believe me, I wish I could have been you know, completely financially free and totally wealthy from the start, but um, you know, not many of us are born with a trust fund or 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 have those right. opportunities. Yeah. So <clears throat> okay. So now I was gonna ask you, I was yeah, gonna yeah. ask you, have you ever, before we get too far into this, just to, so there's no um preconceived notions about us as we're talking. Oh, yeah. There are there yeah. are people. I was I just was out um, Christmas caroling tonight in Rosebud, Texas, and somebody made the mm-hmm. comment from our church said, I didn't realize it seemed like we were in Central America or something. I didn't realize there was places like this in Rosebud, Texas. We got a, we got into the into the the poorer part of town, and yeah. there are people that have you know that really have nothing. Sure. Um, and so, what God has blessed each of us with when we learn to be a good steward over that, and yeah. and can and can realize how blessed we are. Um, that is a big thing. So I, I consider myself very blessed. I'm certainly not rich, but I consider myself very blessed by God. But, um, I have never, I never struck it rich. I never, mm-hmm. I never played the lottery and won a million dollars or sure. I've never, I've never had anything handed to me on a golden platter, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if that, is that the case for you? Have you ever inherited a hundred thousand dollars or no, Some crazy thing like that. No, I've never had any inheritance. I've never won the lottery. And and Caleb and I will probably go through a little bit of where we are financially and how we got here as we go through this hour. And Caleb and I were talking about this topic probably taking a little longer. So we might, you know, go long tonight and we might get into the next week or the next two weeks. We figured since Christmas is around the corner, this would be a good time to talk to people about making money since everyone is dreading the credit card bill they're going to get in January because they spent way more money than they should have, you know, on Christmas for their kids. So no, um, I never have, you know, for me, um, I have, uh, you know, I've been working since I was, I don't know, 12 years old, you know, in the summers and then got my driver's license and was able to work, you know, after school and on the weekends. And, you know, I've worked my whole life. You know, my dad, t- I remember when I was just a kid, I mean, I must have been like eight years old. And I told my dad this toy that he, I wanted. And he said, well, go down to the garage, get out the lawnmower and start pushing it up and down the streets until someone lets you mow their lawn. <laughs> and that was it. And I was like, really? He's like, yep. He's like, I'll buy the gas. He said, go for it. Yeah. And I mowed lawns all over the neighborhoods, you know, um, in that was a good old days. Up. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. You know, and everyone now is like, what's a lawnmower? Don't, you know, <laughs> isn't that what those guys do every Thursday? <laughs> you know, they just show up in the truck. So, uh, <clears throat> no. So, I mean, I, I've really had to work, you know, my whole life. I mean, I have a mom and dad who love me and have tried to be a blessing and help me out when they could, you know, with the businesses I've started and different things. But at the end of the day, you know, um, my wife will tell you, I, you know, I put in 50 hours a week. I'm self-employed. And there's a lot of times when I leave the house at 730 and I'm not done and ready to take my work boots off till 930 at night. 
you know, and that that's um, that's what it takes. And and we'll get into that. But no. Yeah. So, so, you, so, so you, I thought you're going to say you're going to say your wife was gonna, would tell us that you married for money. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't strike no. it rich there either. No, no, I didn't. Okay. I, when I married my wife, I inherited her student loan debt. Uh, and a car payment. <laughs> that's, that's what I. That's what I got from her. So no, uh, no, we're just a couple of you know working. Well, she made up for it. How many kids did she give you? Yeah, uh, six kids, five boys. Yep, just like uh, well, just like uh, the the what was it uh, we talked about two weeks ago? The priest Matthias in the story right. of uh, Hanukkah and the the Maccabean revolt. Maccabean. Yep. Okay, so, um, so why get rich? Okay, so now here's here's an idea I want to I want to give everyone. And Caleb, I want you to tell me if I'm crazy or if this makes sense. Okay, and this I read this in a book. Okay, <clears throat> the author, who I very much respect as far as you know money management, explained that if you took all the wealth in this country and you put it into a pile and divided it up evenly amongst all the people in America, everybody would roughly shake out with the same amount they have now at the end of their life. Meaning the majority of people are where they are for a reason. People aren't rich on accident. People aren't poor on accident. The idea, the author's idea was to break down the concept or the the incorrect idea that, well, those rich people are just all lucky and all the right. poor people are unlucky. No, that's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. And, and we're going to go over some of that. But tell me what you think about that, Caleb. So I'm, I'm trying to follow the statistics. So basically, the statistic is that if you if you spread all the wealth out if you took if, if you went ahead and did like socialism where mm -hmm. you took the money away from the wealthy people yep. you redistributed it among everybody everyone gets the same amount then everybody would probably only have a few thousand dollars at the end of their life anyways well at the the no 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 the idea is the poorest guy would still be the poorest guy the richest guy would still be the richest guy the guy in the middle would still be the guy in the middle after several years the idea okay. is no they matter there how for a reason you got it. They got there for a reason. There would be there would be good money management. There'd be poor money management and people would end up where they are. Again, some people would do better. Some people would do worse. But the fact is, you know, everyone is where they are for a reason. Now, don't get me wrong. There's good luck and bad luck. And, and I would, you know, rather have I'd rather be lucky than good any day of the week. Okay, but my successes in life didn't come from luck and they weren't given to me and neither were yours. And right. a lot of people that I know, um, you know, their uh, poor financial station in life, they didn't get there on accident either. So that's what I, a lot of people don't like hearing that because that stinks of uh, personal responsibility. But at the end of the day, you know, that's what it comes down to, because if you think it's just luck, then turn this podcast off. Right. All the advice we're going to give you doesn't matter because it's only yeah, luck. Turn, turn the podcast off and go yeah. down and buy you another scratch off. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and it's so funny, you know, and that's do you know what I call the stupid lottery? tax? The lottery is a tax on stupid people who are yeah. bad at math. 
That's what the lottery is. You're like, oh, I buy five scratch-offs a day. Yeah, and I'm sure all your winnings go right into your 401k too, don't they? Oh, it's I so have never, ridiculous. I have never bought a lottery ticket in my life. And I, I intend to go to the grave that way. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're missing out on much. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, that that's the idea, is that there are different habits. Okay, so Caleb... Th- Really what I wanted to get into, because I'm going to ask you some questions about where you made your money at different times in your life. And I know the answers. So I'm going to start asking you some of that. And then I'm going to move into um, a graphic and explain a little bit. So can we can we start there? Sure. So, okay. So when I first met you, okay, <clears throat> what was your prime source of income? Uh, teaching music. Okay. So you gave instrument lessons and how old were you when you were doing that? When we first met, were you 18 when we first met? I thought you were younger than that. Um, I may have, I may have been, I'm not really sure when we first met when, what year did you get married? Uh, 2006. And we probably met three or four years before you got married at least had to be now i moved to town in 2001 so somewhere in between okay. that. and i think we met you right after pretty pretty soon after pretty you close after town. i got in town I, I believe so okay so about so, how old were you in 2002 or three 2002 i'd have been 16 okay so let's say you were 16 or no, 17. 15 Okay, I would have turned so you, were, 16. you were 16, 17, maybe 18 when we first met. And by the time we met, how many years were you giving instrument lessons? So I, I started teaching when I was 11. It was my first violin student, but it was just to friends. Sure. Uh, my first, the first time I charged anything for lessons, I think was when I was 13. Okay. Um, I, I ran an ad in the nickel paper and started, well, I had charged some for like other homeschool families before that, sure. like $3, $3 a lesson or something like that. <laughs> and then I think I ran my first ad and I was charging like, I think it was like 10 or $12 a lesson. Sure. Um, and by the time and we met, you were up to a reasonable amount, like, like 20, 30 or 35 bucks, 25, 30, somewhere in there. I don't remember. Okay. And keep in mind, 25 or $30 a lesson. How many lessons in a week were you giving? They were all one hour lessons. How many? Yeah, well, I had a lot that were uh, one hour, 30 minutes. And you had some group lessons? Yes, I had some group lessons. Okay. The most I ever had was around 70, 72, I think, students. But some of those were group lessons. Um, A lot of them were private lessons. So would you say that, you know, you were somewhere in the range of 35, 40 hours a week doing lessons? Oh, yeah. More than, yeah, more than 40 hours a week. So we're talking about a time when a kid who's 16, 17, 18 years old has his own business and is making $20, $25, $30 an hour, and he's doing 40 hours a week doing instrument lessons. Now, for most of you that don't know Caleb, which is all of my friends and anyone that discovers us on Facebook or Spotify, Caleb can play many stringed instruments. He can play the banjo, the guitar, the mandolin. He can play the violin. He could play the stand-up bass and the cello well enough to fake his way through any bluegrass song. And 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 I'm and I'm not <clears throat> exaggerating here. Okay, although Caleb will deny it, Caleb plays most of those instruments as if he has only practiced that one instrument his whole life. 
Okay, he's a very talented musician, and he has an, a natural ability with music that I've always been jealous of. So Caleb attracted a lot of people to um, to take instrument lessons. Okay, now what are most 16, 17, and 18-year-old kids doing as far as making money nowadays that you know, Caleb? <laughs> well, not much, and even, even a lot of my friends at the time, and a lot of my friends came from a similar background where they were um, homeschool families, whatever. A mm -hmm. lot of them spent their time watching TV, playing video games. That was what they were okay. doing. I agree. Or maybe, maybe honing their skateboarding skills, but there sure. was, there was very few of them that were, were trying to run a business. So Caleb <clears throat> at, in those years was pulling in 40 to $50,000 a year as a teenager who didn't even have a driver's license yet. Okay. Making money and starting his life. Now, this is one thing I'm going to tell you. Uh, I'm 41 years old. Caleb, you're 35, 30, 33. Okay. 33 years old. One thing that's important is that you have to stick with these principles. We're going to talk about your whole life. So Caleb did really well by starting off. Okay. With these principles. Now, if Caleb decided to waste all his money at a four year liberal arts college, getting a teaching degree in art history, okay, his financial future would have gone like this and crashed and burned into a mountain. Okay. But he didn't do that. But my point is he started out doing something that a lot of kids are not willing to do. He worked, he started his own business. Now you didn't only give instrument lessons, right? You also repaired right. instruments and sold instruments and sold music books and tuners and picks and all the stuff needed for your students. Correct? You had a music store. Yeah, we uh, certainly sold a lot of a lot of instruments. Probably made um, as much or more money selling selling uh, through you know buying wholesale instruments, reselling them. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the a lot of the uh, I'd say to start at least the first the first years I probably did more with the instrument sales than I did with lessons, and then later on it probably switched because I had more students, um, and that was it was kind of a, a family venture. Me and my siblings did it together. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents had given us kind of a a space in a in a in a building that they had there. My mom had a little spinning and weaving shop, and so we had a, a room that we were able to sell instruments out of. So it was. It, it was run as if it was a legit business, even though it was just at my mm -hmm. parents' property, you know, sure. in some little some little shed. But we uh, we had a, a re registered business name and uh, tax number, and it was run like a real business, or it was a real business, even though it was just across the driveway from my folks' house. So it was it was like we were running a music store. Uh, it was a very small music store, but it was it was a music store, and I taught taught lessons there. So so then. <clears throat> You started out now you, you let me <clears throat> okay, so let me let me get into this. If you had to figure out what would be the first real job for most teenagers, the average teenager that wants their first job, where are they gonna get it? What are they gonna do? Because they're not gonna start a music store. Right. I mean, most of them are gonna get an entry-level job at a restaurant as a server or what type a, of restaurant fast food <laughs> okay so we're on the same page right so most right. kids that's what they're going to do and the reason they're going to do that is because they don't have skills that can, can afford them a better job so they're going to start doing something like uh, mcdonald's or wendy's or whatever right dairy queen something like that okay so now think of this <clears throat> 
and this is what I wanted to transition into. And I'm going to bring up a graphic and we're going to see how well this works. Okay, we're going to upload. Ba, 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 ba. Bear with me for just one second, Caleb. Okay, I think this is going to come right in. And okay, here we go. We're going to show this and um, here, what we're going to do is we're going to solo this. Okay, so Caleb, are you, wait. Yeah, it's, it's up Here's, on the screen. Okay, great. And everyone can still hear us, I am hoping. Yeah, it, we're not muted. The video is just off. Okay, so I want everyone to take a look at this. Now, this was stolen from another book that I read, and uh, I forget the guy's name, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up here in a minute so that we don't get sued. Okay, so if you look in the upper left-hand corner, <clears throat> this is the worst way to make money, and that is being an employee, okay? So you punch a clock, and what you do is you go in and you flip hamburgers and you, you know, make milkshakes and you make minimum wage and you go home at the end of the day. Now, understand that the majority of people in America make a living this way. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. OK, if it's honest work, then good for you. But what you have to understand is it is the least efficient way to make money. Now, Caleb was below that. Caleb was self-employed. He did not own a business. He owned a job. <clears throat> because you got to remember, if Caleb didn't show up to give those instrument lessons, how much money did he make? Well, none. In the same way, if you're an employee and you have a job, if you don't show up to flip burgers, well, you don't make any money. The difference is Caleb saw the proceeds of his hard work by owning his job. Now, this is how I make a good amount of my money as well. I own a job. I own a small company. It's just me. It's a plumbing, heating, and cooling company. And it's great because when the company has really good weeks or months, okay, the excess above what I need to make per hour to live goes into my pocket because I own a job. The problem is when I'm sick, I don't make a dollar. Okay. When I take a day off for a holiday with my family, I don't make a dollar. Okay. So we, Caleb and I both owned a job and that's a great way to make money. And it is far superior to just being an employee. Now, folks, if I could say one other thing, you need to show this video to 15, 16, 17 year old kids. Okay, the, the younger you can get them into this, the, the better they're going to be with their life. Because you need to get people to learn skills so they can own a job. And that is a great, great way to go. Okay, so Caleb, I'm bringing us back in. And there we go. So does that make sense? that <clears throat> you were doing something that most people, even adults, never learn to do. And I've seen guys, and you've seen guys, you and I have both worked in the construction trades. Well, I still do. <clears throat> there are lots of guys that are very talented, but they lack the people skills, the organizational skills in order to go out on their own. And what they don't understand is they can make three, four, five, ten times the money 
that they do working for someone else doing the exact same thing. If they can just learn a few more skills, they could own their job and they could make a boatload more money. Okay, so now, Caleb, I want to ask you another question. And I want to fast forward a little ways. Okay, so there was a time, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But Caleb, there was a time when I remember that you rented a hangar out at the airport, right? Right. Okay, and what were you doing at that time? So uh, when I was... He was, not fly- he was not a pilot. He was not flying <laughs> planes. <laughs> so when I was uh, a kid, uh, before I ever started teaching music, mm-hmm. I learned my work ethic by working with my dad in a mm-hmm. auto body and paint shop. That's mm-hmm. where where I learned what real work was. And that's why I wanted to put my time in playing music rather than working. <laughs> I knew what it was like to take old junk oh. vehicles that should have been thrown away and mm-hmm. piece them back together and paint pretty. them yeah. and make it pretty and get zero dollars and zero cents at the end of the job because <laughs> that was how the family business operated and and i learned a lot during that time so after having taught music for some time um I, it kind of happened on it by accident literally i was on the way to a music student's house one day to teach a, a music lesson and a guy pulled out in front of me on the road. He made a right-hand turn. And uh, I think he was talking on his phone and never looked to his left. I was coming from his left. And he pulled out in front of me. I would have hit him, but I swerved to, to miss him, went around him, probably running 60 miles an hour. And it would have been a bad wreck if I'd have hit the guy. And so anyway, I pulled over at the next stop sign, got out, and uh, he I waited for him to pull up behind me. I stopped to make sure everything was all right. And he was, um, we, we went about our, our way. That was it. I just said, I wanted to make sure I hadn't hit you because it was a near miss. So uh, sometime after that, I ran into him, I think at a Home Depot or something, and we got to talking mm-hmm. and he said, let's go to lunch. So we went to lunch and um, we uh, got to chatting and he had just built a, a kit airplane. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he showed me some pictures of that. At the time, my dad and I had just got done doing a restoration job on a 1927 Model T Ford, I think it was. And I showed him some pictures of that. And he's like, wow, you know how to do this kind of work. I need some fiberglass work done and some Bondo and paint. And can you help me on my, my plane? So anyway, long story short, I accidentally ended up in the airplane painting business. Mm-hmm. So I needed a place to paint the plane. I rented a hangar and painted his plane. And in the meantime, I uh, word of mouth spread and I got a few more paint jobs from that. So that was, that's why I, I ended up painting airplanes for a while. Okay. <clears throat> and then you also ended up doing body work for automobiles in that same hangar. Yeah. So I rented, I rented a hangar and um, the bills there were high enough and I got, I, I didn't, I had grown up doing body and paint work, but I didn't trust myself enough to, to paint a high-end airplane. Mm-hmm. And so I had run an ad and hired a guy that had a college degree painting and said, you know, I want somebody that knows what they're doing. And um, so he had gone to work for me, but I wanted work to keep him busy and to keep mm-hmm. paying the bills if I didn't have a plane in there to paint. So in between airplanes, I'd buy cars, fix them up, sell them, Patrick. And I bought a couple of trucks together and didn't always work out the greatest, <laughs> but I think we sold a couple of them. One of them got stolen when I moved mm-hmm. to Texas. Um, and I did some work 
some jobs for other people that brought their their vehicles there and we we did the work on them now you had other guys working for you at that time as well right and what three guys they working and what caleb explained to me was that he would pay these guys oh i don't know what you'd call it rate work or piece work okay and where caleb would walk around the vehicle and point out the different things that needed to be fixed and Caleb would assign a dollar value to that piece. And Caleb would write it up on the whiteboard. And when the guys came into work, they could go about and fix any of those things, knowing they will make this amount of dollars when it is completed to his satisfaction. Is that correct? Right. None of them were paid okay. by the hour. Yeah. So now <clears throat> I want to bring this back in. Okay. Um, here we go. So now what we're going to see is that Caleb moved over to the upper right-hand corner. So now Caleb was a business owner. And Caleb had a system that was set up where he didn't have to show up to work and he could still make money because he had employees and they knew what to do for their job and they were able to accomplish that job, okay, even when he wasn't there. Now, keep in mind, it did not grow large enough to where he had a manager running it and he completely stepped away. But you see that the difference is he did not actually have to show up to work to make that money. He had other guys making the money for him. Okay. Now, one way that I do that as well, just to give people, you know, more ideas is my wife and I own real estate. So we have different rentals and those rentals, I don't have to show up to them every day. They make me a certain amount of money, whether I have work that day or not, they make me money. Whether it's the economy's up or down, they make me money. So long as they are occupied, I have a renter in there with a signed lease writing me a check on the first of every month. Okay, you can divide it out and I can tell you how many dollars I make every single day, whether I show up there or not. Now, once in a while, I do have to go over there and fix things. But by and large, they are just running on their own. So this is the goal. We want to move up to that upper right-hand quadrant there where we have a business, something that has its own system set up to where it makes money even when we don't show up so that we are free to do something else. Now, keep in mind, Caleb would have to show up to that airplane hangar every so often to make sure things are going well. I would have to show up to my rentals every so often to make sure things are going well. But the whole idea is that you can move. That's the goal is to move up to that quadrant where you have a system that's making you money, even when you're not there. Now, you still have to put in some amount of time. Okay. But you can see how much better that is than being the guy that is fixing the dents in the car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if, if it's done well, you, yeah. you have the potential to make money or lose money. At least the guy that's fixing the dents has, has a lot less risk involved. Sure. In my case, in my case, um, there was months where we made money months where we lost money, but absolutely. That's, that's okay. part, part of it. Well, and that is part of learning how to run a successful business. 
Okay. But right. when it was successful, it accomplished the goal. Okay. So now, now the idea that I want to talk to you about is the fourth way to make money and how this has been a part of your life. How have you invested your money where it has made you money without doing anything? You don't have to do anything but write the check. You don't have to do anything but sign your name. Okay, you let your money do the heavy lifting. Your money does the work for you. Give me any example of that. So, yeah, uh, the, the biggest investment that I have right now is real estate. I've invested mm -hmm. in vehicles in the past on different things where I tried to buy and sell. Um, even a part of the business aspect when I was running with the uh, music store, I would invest a significant amount of the music lessons back into musical instruments so that I could you know, turn around and resell sell those for a profit. But um, as far as actual investments that haven't taken, really taken work, I would say... Yeah. Um, Real estate is my, that's my best example of an investment other than, right. other than dabbling in Bitcoin. Sure. Okay. So now <clears throat> in those cases, okay, you put up the money for the real estate and then you turn around and you sell it and right. you try to sell it for a profit, right? In the same way, what most people are probably familiar with, familiar with is playing the market. And you just mentioned cryptocurrency, which I'm right. thrilled to talk about if we can get yeah. into it. At Today's some a good point. day to talk about <laughs> cryptocurrency. <laughs> okay, but if you want to talk about stocks, if you want to talk about mutual funds, if you want to talk about bonds, if you want to talk, at the end of the day, you're trying to buy something and you're trying to sell something and you're hoping to sell it for more than you bought it for. And all you're doing is allowing time to pass and hoping the value goes up. Unless you're selling and buying and selling shorts, then you're hoping the value goes down. <laughs> right. But either way, it's a contract where you, you know, where you have an, the, the goal is to put your money in and then take your money out. And when you take it out, you want it to be greater than when you put it in. Okay, and this here is the last one this is the lower right-hand corner, and this is where you become an investor. And this has the smallest population. The smallest number of people in America live in this area. And in this area, this is where you make the most money. You make it the easiest. Obviously, you have to have some capital to get in here. Okay, so <clears throat> let's see. Okay, here we go. So investing is where you want to end up. Now, everyone needs to take a look at their life and they need to see where are you in that quadrant? And is there a way <clears throat> to move to another side? It might only be able to be a side hustle. We've heard that term, the idea that you have a small part-time job on the side where you own a small business and you're able to make money in it and it helps you along. That's great. If you're able to own a business, that's even better. <clears throat> and once the when you win is when all of your wealth comes from investments. And that's it. Okay. You are the bank. You don't have to show up. You don't have to punch a clock. You don't have to dig a ditch. You have a manager running the business. You are now able to take your money and have it work for you. 
And I'd like to just, you know, let people know that Caleb and I have done a lot of real estate deals together and, you know, worked on different types of deals. And, and <clears throat> I can tell you that some of the real estate deals that I've done, okay, with Caleb, I forgot, I, I did the math on, you know, some of them that we've done and I've made 20,000% on my money. Okay. And that was all I ever did was sign paperwork. Okay. I had to put the money up. Okay. But then I had a great investment. Uh, I've also made 5% on my money. Okay. So it's not all, you know, <laughs> it's not all success stories. You don't win all the time. Yeah. You don't and you're, win. And you're still, you're still sitting on some that, you, you <laughs> that got haven't it. Okay. netted you a dollar. Yeah. And you don't always win big, but the point is, if you're able to just have your money do the heavy lifting, okay, or another way they say it is let time do the heavy lifting. You just put the money in, okay, and then when the opportunity is is there, you sell, and that is the easiest way to make money. Okay, now Caleb, I want to I want to go over I want to go over one idea while I'm on this part about investing. If if I can take over for yeah. a minute, and then I got some more questions for you. Okay, so. <clears throat> In the last, uh, I'm going to say two or three years of my life, I've transferred my thinking over to this one idea. And this idea is invest till you're poor. Okay. If I have extra money, I am investing it. For me, I don't want a savings account with thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars. I don't want money in the form of cash sitting in a safe. What I want is that money when I have it to be working for me. So you've heard of people living paycheck to paycheck. I try to live paycheck to paycheck because I invest so much of my money that I don't have a lot of money left over to do anything with. And I found that this is by far the greatest strategy that I've ever, ever come across. And, and this is not original. I didn't think it up. Some very rich, successful people did. And they said, when something happens and you need something, you sell you sell the stock, you sell some of the mutual fund, you sell the bonds, you, okay, you sell the cryptocurrency. But what you do is you invest till you're poor. Everything that you have. I know several wealthy people, they don't have a savings account. Okay, they're lucky if they have $100 in cash. Savings okay? account is, is the worst place you could put your money. It is, at, well, actually, that's not true. A cookie jar on the fridge is probably okay. the worst place. You a a little bit worse, money. but barely. Yeah, because the fire can take it. Whereas if it's in the bank, at least you it's insured by the FDIC up to, uh, I think, a quarter million dollars. Okay, so <clears throat> the idea is that you are putting your money to work for you. Okay, don't you don't want a bunch of it sitting around. Now, keep in mind, you cannot keep all of your money tied up in long-term investments. Okay, you want you want your money in investments that are liquid. So if you need it in a hurry, you can you know you can you can sell something, you can get it out, or at least you want some of your money there. Okay, but 
understand <clears throat> that my goal is to invest every extra dollar. Every two weeks, every month, I am sitting down and seeing how much extra money I have and what's what what's coming down the road and how much can I afford to invest and what it is that I want to put my money into. And I do that constantly. Okay. And I get to watch that money grow. And you want to know the other thing? When that money's sitting around in the safe, you want to know what happens to it, Caleb? What? When you have a whole bunch of cash sitting in the safe, what happens to it? Uh, well, it, it's losing value because of inflation. It is losing value, okay, but it doesn't get to lose much value because we spend it. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I hate to tell you, but... My self-discipline isn't that much better than my kids. You see something shiny at the store or on Amazon.com, and guess what? You want to buy it. Right. So I find when I don't have it, all of a sudden, it's really hard for me to open up a trading account and say that I want to sell this that is making me money in order to have money to buy junk. But when it's sitting right there in the safe, boy, it's easy to spend. Right. Okay. So that that's <clears throat> that's one of my ideas is you want to invest till you're poor. Okay. So Caleb, let's see. We have about ten minutes till we hit the hour. How so about what? Go I ahead. You know, just, you said you had a question for me earlier. You never got to it. I think it's I did okay. early on. It was half an hour ago. If you ever you started got well. with a premise and you told the story for five minutes, I was waiting for the question. With no, I, I, no, I, I did. I asked you if you ever struck it rich. If you ever were handed to oh. life a golden platter. No, um, no unfortunately. So, what's your thought? Tell me your thought. Yeah, what is what would you if I, I should have uh, looked this up? I don't know what savings accounts rates are at right now. But if you're going to put my, your money in a less than one percent. Right, less than one percent, yeah. and and inflation is is right around one, just over one percent, one point two percent was most before the election. Argue, now it's probably more like ten percent. Yeah, most people would argue yearly inflation is going to be somewhere between one to four. Typically, I hear a number about two or three percent, but yeah, everyone well, I, argues. Yeah, I just looked it up, and it says it's one point two percent for the uh, for the twelve months ending December twenty twenty. Okay. For the last twelve months. Now, remember, this has been this has been a good time. Um, uh, in two thousand nineteen, it was two point three percent, one point nine, two point one, two thousand seventeen, two point one, two thousand sixteen. Um, in two thousand eleven, it was three percent. If you remember who was president then. So, anyways, um, it is gonna it is going to uh, depending on what happens here with politics, it, inflation is gonna go like crazy. Okay, so let me tell you something about inflation, and people need to understand this. And, it, and if this if this stat is incorrect, it's it's only because my memory doesn't serve. But I only read it in the last couple of weeks. I believe it's three quarters of all the money that you, the United States has ever printed in its history was printed in the last calendar year. Wow. Okay. Now, like I said, look that up. I'm not asking you to believe me. Okay, but the majority, the vast majority of all the money we've ever printed has come up in this last calendar year. It has been insanity. 
And people, the debt is coming due. There has never been a time in your life or mine where it has been more important to be financially free and financially secure. You ha- and, I'm, and we can, you know, kind of get into the plan of how to get out of debt and what to do. And you know what? Maybe next week we should go over that. Okay. We'll give you, we'll give you the plan, the, the, the first 10 steps for someone that, you know, doesn't know where to begin and has never really considered this. And they don't know how much money they owe and they're scared to add it up. Okay. For that person, you know, we can kind of give you the one, two, three, as far as how to get through it and what to do. Okay. <clears throat> but you, it is so important you get out of debt. It is so important you have um, uh, some money, uh, you know, for an emergency that's coming. It is so important that uh, you are as fun- financially free as possible because debt is a curse. The Bible says that over and over and over and over again. It doesn't say that debt's a sin. I know a lot of people that preach that and they would like to say that, but the Bible doesn't say that. It does say that it is a curse and that you are a servant to the lender. And that is true. When you owe someone a dollar, okay, you are their servant because they have a hold on you. Now, keep in mind, I'm not talking about your friend that borrowed a dollar for a candy bar last week. I'm talking about an institution where you sign a contract because they own some of your property. They have the first right in the order of liens that will go up against your house or your car or whatever it is. Okay, so you don't own those things when they're when uh, you are in debt, and it's important we understand that we need to start getting out of those things and be. And we need to be smart with our money. Okay, so Caleb, let me. I just want to go over a couple ideas here. I have eight of them that I wrote down, and I just want to hear your thoughts on it. So let's not spend too long, but I'd like to definitely hear a comment from you and I can comment on them and we can give you some ideas. Now, these are differences between rich people and poor people. Okay. So let's see where we are. Okay. So difference number one, as far as rich people versus poor people, rich people are committed to being rich Okay, so rich people are willing to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes to achieve their financial goals. Now, we're assuming everything we're talking about is moral, it's ethical. Okay, we're not talking about anything illegal. But the idea is that rich people, they form a plan and they make a commitment to stay on track and stay on that plan as long as it takes to achieve their goals. Okay, poor people typically never even get out of the gate because they never even start the plan. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, they don't. They don't sit around and, and wait for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, the uh, buying lottery tickets is not a plan. Okay, and I'm gonna. You ready? I'm gonna make a lot of people mad right now. Hoping and praying that Jesus comes back before you're too old is not a plan. Okay. That's stupidity. Right. Now you can hope for that. I hope for that. I hope Jesus comes, you know, before we're done with this podcast. Okay. But that is not a financial plan. That is financial irresponsibility, total irresponsibility. So the idea is that we were talking before Caleb started out on track. Okay. Working hard, saving money, 
and 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 being intelligent about it, not just punching a clock, delivering pizzas, getting the minimum wage, lowest paying job possible. Okay, Caleb learned some skills and then he uh, started uh, or we would say he owned his own job and he was able to make a lot more money than any other kid at that age. But like I said, if Caleb went off to a liberal arts college and got a, 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 a degree in art history to, you know, to teach that, his financial future would have been gone. And yes, I am saying that if you are going to school to be a teacher, do not plan on being financially free. Okay, It is not easy to do. Uh, teachers are paid very little. It is a ton of work and you're paid very little. And if you're okay with that, well, then go ahead. Teaching is definitely for you. Okay, But my point is, you have to make a plan and you have to stay on the plan. You have to be committed to the plan for many, many years if you want to end up being financially free and, and if you want to be wealthy. Okay, Caleb, people either see opportunities and rewards or they see obstacles and risk. What do you think? I've, I've oftentimes been more of an opportunist Mm -hmm. and too too optimistic and, and didn't want to look so much at the risk side of it until after it bit me sure um but it i i, it, I cannot stand being around naysayers that are, that yep. are constantly going to shoot down any decent idea of tr ever trying anything because what if this and what if that what they, if anytime what if? anytime that there's a good idea brought up they don't, they don't even reflect on the positives for 30 seconds before they start yep. bringing up the negatives. They'll interrupt you to start talking about, oh, well, what about <laughs> this? And have you ever thought about that? What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You should go back to McDonald's and flip some more burgers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and not, to, not to beat up on McDonald's because I got to tell you, Caleb, I know a guy that owns two McDonald's and he makes $90,000 a month on each of them. Right. Hey, believe me, if you can get on the right side of McDonald's, you're going to do well. OK, oh, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, pushing the mop when you're 16 years old is a, is a tough way to, you know, to to break free. OK, so <clears throat> I agree with you. For me, it's. I've always been in that position where. Granted, you got to look at the risk. I mean, you have to understand what you're getting into. But the fact is, you can't use obstacles as a reason not to take a chance. Every wealthy person on earth has taken many, many chances where if things went wrong, they would have been in a hard place. But you have to take a... Okay, the reason that every wealthy person hates the federal government is because the federal government comes by and they say, oh, you made a bunch of money this year. And they hold their hand out and they want their cut. They didn't do anything. They didn't front the money. They had no risk. That It's called having skin in the game. They didn't have any skin in the game. I'm the one that put up the money to buy the truck and the trailer and the tools and the uniforms and start the business. Caleb's the guy that's that put up the money to buy the location and remodel it and make it a restaurant and, you know, Okay, all whatever we do, we're the ones that we have to put up the risk. Do you know how many people are employed by small businesses? Do you know how economies recover? It is through small businesses. Someone has to take the risk. 
and the people that do, those are the ones that make it. And most of us that do well financially, we have failed many times. Okay. We've tried something. It didn't work. We write it off. Okay. I learned something. And, and something I love, a saying I love is that education is never free. So right. Caleb and I have thrown money away on ideas that didn't work out. Well, guess what? That was us paying for our education, you know, and it, it was valuable. It's a lot more fun anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Than sitting in a classroom, you know, getting a business degree by a guy that's never owned a business in his life. I always ask every college kid that I hear is in school for business. I'm like, oh, really? Has your professor ever owned a business? They're like, no. Like, well, I've owned a dozen. So if you ever want to learn something, just give me a call. Do you know how many guys I've helped start businesses in this valley? Okay, I've helped so many of my friends where they had skills and I told them, like, you got to get out on your own, man. You do not know how much money you are losing every year. You got to start a business. And I walked them through it and I showed them how to file the paperwork with the state and register your name and yada, yada. And it's not that hard, but I'm telling you, um, <clears throat> you, you got to do it. Okay. Caleb, poor people run from a challenge. Rich people, they don't take no for an answer. And they don't give up when they're facing resistance. They improvise, they adapt, they overcome. Well, yeah, I would I would say um, I don't I don't have very many rich friends. So I probably and I I haven't, I'm not like some that have spent a lot of time reading books about behavioral traits with rich people. Uh, I probably should. It was never actually my, and still isn't my goal to ever be rich, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be, you know, have enough investments that I would be able to do what I wanted to do if that wasn't making money. So if sure. I wanted to go help somebody or give away food or, you know, whatever it is that I'm wanting to do that I can focus on those things without having to to you know to make money money so i've never let me ask you the I question have, oh yeah so you've wanted to be financially free right okay that the the term rich or wealthy has never interested you as much right see okay so i would define that as rich or wealthy you have the financial means to do what you want whether right. your ceiling is low whether you're shooting for the stars or the ceiling is you know irrelevant the point is you want to have enough money to be able to be free to do what you want to do with your life is that accurate oh yeah yeah and i would say i've never i've never been willing to take take no for, for an answer either even when i probably should have there's been times where i've looked back and i'm like uh maybe i should have listened to that guy's advice sure but i've, I've never been afraid of 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 uh, a failure or two Okay, <clears throat> so this one I want to talk about for a second, and, and this one is going to hurt someone's feelings. Poor people mismanage their money. Do you have any stories about that? Because, man, I got a bunch. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, but I would, I would say that that is true. I mean, I would mm -hmm. say 100% that is true. I have mismanaged my money. Um, many times where I have looked back and it's like, man, I had a hundred dollars mm -hmm. and I, ha I don't have a hundred dollars anymore. And I don't know where the hundred dollars went, but I didn't have a plan. <laughs> if you don't have a plan, it goes away. Yep. 
Okay, so, it, that that will hurt feelings, but it is it is very true. Okay, so <clears throat> I've asked this question many times. Why do all these poor people have nicer things than I do? You ever wonder that? Because right. I look around and I have friends, I have coworkers, I have people that are in my life. They and drive a nicer truck or a brand nicer new car. truck. <laughs> they got a, they've got a brand new snowmobile and brand new four wheelers and brand new everything. And I'm like, how on earth are they paying for this? And you know how they're doing it. Okay. Their financial planning is the uh, Visa Platinum Club, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that's the way so many of these people do it is they rack up debt. And they don't own anything that they have. They just have a bunch more payments. And they have all this nice, shiny, fancy stuff that makes us envious. Okay, But what they don't have are any income-producing assets. And what's going to hurt them is when they turn 40 years old or 50 years old or 60 years old, and they realize that all that nice, fancy stuff that they bought is now just a broken-down pile of rust. And none of it's making them any money. Caleb, do you know the fastest way to take $100,000 and turn it into $10,000? It's investing in automobiles. Really? Oh, automobiles. You buy a new vehicle, they say it loses 10%, sometimes 20% the day you drive it off the lot. Okay, it is the you said, worst thing. Did you say turn a hundred thousand dollars into ten thousand dollars? Oh, I thought you said turn a hundred dollars into ten thousand dollars. I was like, wait, how are you uh, gonna do that investing in cars? I've tried buying cars and selling them before. Yeah, so if you want to turn a hundred grand into ten grand, just invest in automobiles. It's a bad idea. How many times, Caleb, have you driven by poor neighborhoods? with terrible beat up old shanty houses with a brand new vehicle on the drive. Right. Oh, oh yeah. It is. Oh, that's so terrible. That is my town. <laughs> a Cadillac or a BMW or yep. Lexus. Uh, Proverbs 21, 20 says there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Um, so I think that is, the definition of the foolishness of just spending everything that you have. If you, if, if that's what money is it. for is spending. That mm -hmm. is why it's not that poor people have never had money. It's just, that they never taught how to, or never been disciplined as far as how to spend their money or not spend their money, saving budgeting, th those types of things Correct. are, if you have a hundred dollars, you better spend it quick before you run out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the idea that's of the that, philosophy. Yeah. Budgeting and saving is a curse word. You know, I mean, that that's a sure way to keep you poor forever. So <clears throat> here's an idea. Poor people avoid the subject of money altogether. They don't like talking about it. They dead sure don't like planning about it. OK, they don't want to get into it whatsoever. It's the ignorance is bliss idea. You know, don't even want to think about it. The only thing they're going to do is they're going to complain about how everyone else has more than they do. Okay, I don't know about you, Caleb, but I can tell you that at our house, my wife and I talk about money all the time. We talk about what we should do with our money if we have any. We talk about our budget. Oh, we went over on this. We have money from that. Okay, what should we do with it as far as an investment? What's coming up? Okay, yearly, winter's coming up. Okay, work's going to slow down. 
uh, <clears throat> you know, someone's birthday is coming up. You need to, you know, <laughs> have money to buy them a present. You know, the, you know what baffles me, Caleb, is that every Christian I know gets totally overwhelmed financially by this one thing every December. Christmas. Right. And I don't know about you, but I'm 40 years old and I remember it always being on the same day. Right. But somehow nobody can plan for it. Nobody plans for it. Right. Nope. Everyone on earth could set aside a hundred bucks every month and have some money to buy a few presents, you know, when Christmas time comes, but nobody does it. Okay. Instead, they just slide that credit card through the machine. And then in January, it's, oh me, oh my, how do I pay these when, bills? When I was a kid, it was before credit cards were as popular. It was going down to the pawn shop. I, I knew people that would go down to the pawn shop and pawn their tools or take out loans to buy their Christmas gifts. And then they would hope that they could use get their tax refund yeah. <laughs> in April <laughs> to get their so, so that they could get their tools they back. <laughs> so they could go back to work. Well, you could call it a plan, but <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty bad plan. It doesn't take, doesn't take any, any rocket science to do, do the, uh, ma the math on that, find that it's a bad, bad plan. So yeah. um, you had mentioned about us, uh, investing until you're poor yes. and Travis Stahl commented here um, and he put a link in for every dollar, which is an app that I use. My wife and I've used, and I would highly recommend it. And they plan for you to spend every single last dollar in your budget. Yep. Um, and that's Dave Ramsey's um, method as far as helping people get out of debt. Like Patrick mentioned, it's not, it's not his idea. It's not even Dave Ramsey's idea. People have been using this for a long time. You don't, you don't have money sitting around without a plan. You plan where hundred percent of your money is going to go. Yep. And for so people that are self-employed. Yep. Yeah. If you're self-employed and you don't work off of a, uh, a regular salary where you have a dependable paycheck, then you work off of percentages. So if you have a bad month mm -hmm. and you don't get as much, then your yep. grocery budget is a little bit smaller and your savings budget is a little bit smaller, but then your fixed bills um, that, that you can't do anything about those those are what's going to cut into your, to your other uh, variables. So you, mm -hmm. you plan on spending a hundred percent, you give yourself allowances for, um, you know, if you want to spend 60 bucks a week on fun stuff or whatever, you give yourself a limit on how much you can do on unplanned stuff. And yep. anyway, that's, that's a great, that's a great way to do it. And the, and that is why it's to your point, as far as why poor people um, remain, poor. uh, remain poor and why they're yeah. why it's bad planning on their part is because they they their money they find out where their money went after the fact rather than making a plan and saying this is where our money's going to go and uh and thinking ahead yeah so <clears throat> i had uh i had a guy i knew who was a salesman okay and one year he made twenty thousand dollars and the next year he made just under two hundred thousand dollars do you want to know how much he spent both years? How much? All exactly how much he spent. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you ask most people, where are you at financially th this year? How much money mm -hmm. do you have in the bank? What do you have in yeah. you know savings or holdings? Yeah. And then ask them, what did they have last year? Yeah. The average American, it's it's around a thousand dollars. They got it. I mean, that's, that's, and so some people, it's less than that. They got about a thousand dollars in the bank and that's about all they had last year. They don't really have any plan. Yep. And, and a lot of, a lot of them, I know people that are retired that, that are in their home and they, they will never pay off their, they'll never own their home. They'll, they'll never yep. pay off their, their mortgage, you know, 
my grandparents, different people like that, where I've heard that they've had uh, financial advisors tell them you'd be better off to not pay off your house and keep your money in the bank. And if you do the math on the interest rate that you're paying to the bank, but based off <laughs> compared to the interest rate that you get off of a CD, it doesn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> but- no, no. Now, now, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> My wife and I just had this conversation a while ago because we, and and this is, I mean, I hate to start this because we're already an hour and 10 minutes in. But okay. can you leverage debt in order to invest and make money? And there is certainly certainly potential for that. Well, and, and if you think about it, so let's see. Yeah. Okay. So if you think about it, my interest rate on one of my homes is four and a quarter percent. Okay. And that's a rental that we have. So the idea is, should I take an extra 500 bucks a month and throw it toward the principal to get that thing paid down and paid off? It's like, okay, well, it's, what you're going to save as far as the money wasted on interest is four and a quarter percent a year. And right. understand we're, you know, amortized over a 30 year note. Okay. So if you don't understand how that works, that's a conversation for another day. But Caleb, do you know how much I'm averaging a month in interest on my investment portfolio with cryptocurrencies over the last two years? Uh, how much you're talking about your, your monthly return on investment or your annual interest your month every month i could tell you annual but it's much every month i'm gonna guess about about 10 percent. yep it's over 10 percent. okay that's what i'm average every month okay in the last two years i'm up over 260 percent so why on earth would i take a dollar and put it toward that house to pay it off faster you see what I'm saying? Right. When you have something that's making you money, okay, make that money. Now, if it's not, then we want to pay that house off as fast as humanly possible. And that would be great to get out from under it. Okay. Because the average 30-year mortgage, if you buy a $100,000 house, you're going to pay roughly $200,000 by the end of those 30 years. Okay. That's roughly what you're going to do you know, depending on various factors, you know, but the normal person that takes out the loan doesn't pay anything extra toward principal and has a reasonable interest rate, you know, for the last 10 years. Okay. That's what you're going to do. You're going to pay double what that home is worth. So if you can get it paid off, yeah, that's great. But for me, I hate to tell you, I'm not selling some of my investments in order to try to save a small amount of money. You know, we're talking about 100% over the life of 30 years versus what you can be making in high interest. You could have a high interest yield in several places, and I'm not willing to pull any money out of that in order to save, you know, four and a quarter percent every year. So how long do you want to keep going? Because I have well, some other ideas. Yeah, you had a, you had a, a few more questions. Did we make it through your list there? You said um, you had like okay, some rapid so fire questions. Is, yeah, so one thing is that, yeah, no, no, no. I had several points here. So another one is that rich people have a lot of assets that work for them. Okay, poor people have a lot of things that lose value or hold no value. 
And that was the idea of Caleb talking about he has real estate, okay? And that real estate makes him money and that real estate makes him money every month, you know? And I was talking about a variety of investments that you can have. It could be real estate. It could be playing the market in one of many different areas, okay? But these are things that make you money over time as opposed to spending your money on depreciating assets. Okay, so what is... Caleb, what's an example of the worst return on investment? What's the worst ROI out there? You have a dollar or, or let's say, okay, you've been working hard all day. It's lunchtime. You have $10. You go through a drive through You get Taco Bell, right? Okay, right. What do you have 10 minutes after you're out of the drive through Indigestion. <laughs> sure. Heartburn. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But- that money is gone and it's gone forever and you have nothing to show for it. So well, you just that, touched on my biggest financial weakness here. Which <laughs> is Taco Bell. <laughs> well, no, not Taco Bell, but um, the, uh, the, uh, oh, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. When I'm hungry, yeah. my, my sense of budgeting, if I don't have a plan with it, and have yeah. my money on the lockdown, yeah. I'm like, ah, I'm with the family. Let's go get, I'm like, yeah. nah, I don't want fast food. Let's not get junk. Let's go sit down at a nice restaurant, eat 60 <laughs> bucks later. We walk out the door. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Travis made a, made a comment. He said anything with wheels and a motor. <laughs> so, and that's, I don't know if you ever heard that term, if it rolls, floats or flies, rent it. <laughs> don't buy it because you're losing money. So, so think of this, you have, you can spend your money on something with the worst ROI. So that's going to be food. That's going to be clothing. That's going to be stuff that immediately it just wears out and goes bad. Now you have to have it. Don't get me wrong. But what you have to understand is if I were to go through the Chick-fil-A drive-through, okay. And God bless those people. They're providing a service to this country. Okay. If I go through the Chick-fil-A drive-through and I get a number one. So that's a chicken on a biscuit sandwich, their hash browns and a cup of coffee. I think that's going to be like seven or eight bucks. Okay. And if I'm going to be honest, I want two of those because <laughs> they're so good. So let's say I can restrain myself and not get anything else. And I just spend, uh, let's call it 10 bucks for breakfast because I get a second sandwich. Okay. So now what you got to remember is if I do that every day of the month, Okay, that's $300 I'm spending on breakfast. Or, Caleb, do you want to guess how much it is to get two packets of instant oatmeal and dump it in a bowl and pour some boiling water on it and eat it? How much do you think that costs me a day? What, about okay, 60 I've, cents? Yeah, I've done the math. It's under a buck, but let's call it a buck. Okay, so <clears throat> I can spend $30 a month on breakfast or I can spend $300 a month on breakfast. And it's up to me. But the point is, even those things that have a terrible ROI, okay, they, there's no return on that investment. I can spend a lot of money or I can spend a little money. And that's what a budget is for. You got to go down through all the different line items and you have to figure out, okay, how much am I willing to spend on these different things? And I can spend a very small amount of money or I can spend a very large amount of money. I can, I can rent a movie to watch on Amazon uh, and I can spend two or $3 on a Saturday night. And all of us can watch that movie for three bucks and we can make some popcorn, which costs another $2. 
Okay. And the family can have a fun night, you know, watching the Avengers, or we can all go out to the movies. And how much is it for a kid to go to the movies and get some popcorn? What is it like $75 a person now? I mean, it's outrageous. You're not going to, especially me with a family of eight, you're not going to get out of there for anything less than like a hundred dollars, you know? And that's me sneaking in sodas in my pockets and in my, you know, in my cowboy boots. So I don't have to buy them for my kids. Okay. So you have to make a decision as to what am I going to do to free up money so that I can use it wisely and I can invest it because this is the, this is the thing. It doesn't matter how much money you make every month or every year. The way you move your life forward is based on how much money you save. How much money does not get spent every year? Well, guess what? That's the amount of money you can put toward investing in real estate or investing in stocks and mutual funds or investing in cryptocurrencies or investing in anything. It is the amount of money that you do not spend. So that's what you need to do. So you have to be smart about it and you have to limit yourself all the way down the line on this budget. You have to have uh, you have to have some uh, discipline. And if you can do that, then you can have money freed up in order to, oh, I could start this business. But hey, I hate to tell you, every business startup is going to cost you a couple thousand dollars. There's just no way to get into any business without spending some amount of money on equipment or on advertising or on whatever it is you do. I mean, that you know, there ha- there, there's an overhead somewhere. None, none of it's free, okay? <clears throat> okay, I forgot where we were going with that, but I thought it was a very good point, and I thought I explained it well. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, so um, I guess we've, we've kind of touched on the, the spending – we touched on a few, uh, quite a few different financial aspects here, whether it's spending, uh, budgeting, um, mm-hmm. investing. Um, I would say my, I was, I just thought, obviously we've talked about a few of the things that we're, that we've intentionally done with money mm-hmm. that have worked out. Um, probably my biggest, well, I've had, I've had a couple of failures financially mm-hmm. where I tried, where I tried to start a business or try to do something and it didn't turn out so great. Most of the failed businesses that I've had still fed my family, even though the business never took off and, and was, um, Worth you know, long-term. Yeah, it was, well, some, especially if it's self-employed, as soon as you quit doing that job, that job goes yeah, away because you own yeah. the job, <laughs> you own the job, not the company. Um, so I definitely have had, um, I've had a couple of times when we were in Colorado, I was doing the airplane painting when we moved to Texas. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, well, what was it? We had originally talked about not having kids for several years after we got married. And mm-hmm. we had our first daughter two years after we got married. And we decided to move to Texas to be closer to my wife's side of the family when we came here. So it was kind of starting over at that point. But um, learning how to build on, on your experience that you've had and your, and the skills that you've had and your, and your failures to, to get you to where you are. Um, what would I, what would you say is the, um, well, for me, the, the biggest lesson that I learned that I feel like has gotten me where I was at was I was spending too much money on interest in debt mm-hmm. and too much money on rent. And I said, never again, I'm never again to get a rent a house mm-hmm. and I'm never again going to be in debt no matter what it takes 
And so I did the same, I took the same strategy that you're taking as far as putting hundred percent of every extra dollar that I didn't need to spend on something and investing it. I invested it into paying off my debt and then I started mm-hmm. investing and I'd already started investing in real estate before that, but I start, I got serious about debt and I put all of my investing on hold for a few years until I got out of debt. Um, my biggest, um, my biggest, uh, what would I say? The, the most valuable thing that I've learned that's, that's helped me financially was my financial failure mm-hmm. of getting into debt, realizing how easy it is to get into debt, how hard it is to get out, and then learning what it's like to have rent and interest that eats up everything that you make. And so I'm thankful for those times, but I, I would say that that's one of the biggest things that got, that's gotten me to where I'm at now, which it, I'm, not in, I'm not where I want to be eventually financially, but we are out of debt. And we have enough residual income that if I don't want to work, I don't have to work for money. I, I do. Um, and I'm always doing something. I'm always busy working, but oftentimes it's not for money. So um, I would say that would you, is there any major failure that you've had financially that you feel like has helped you get to where you're at? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> uh, getting in debt is absolutely, I think, a lesson everyone has to go through. And I certainly did. You know, and just like you said, um, you know, okay, so I, I went to college. I did not graduate. I, I do not have a degree. I only made it, I want to say, a year and a half. And then I went back and got another semester in. So I'm about halfway to not getting a degree. Um, but one thing you realize is if you go off to any college, <clears throat> uh, you want to know who set up a table all over the campus on that freshman orientation day when all the freshmen are walking around learning where to go and what to do, uh, they're credit card companies. And these credit card companies are offering you a free shirt and a hat if they can just get your information. And it is unbelievable. They will give credit cards out to any kid that's 18 years old that's been away from mom and dad for five minutes. And those kids will rack up debt and those credit cards companies know that they will. I always, whenever I'm talking to people about finances and budgeting and all this stuff, I always ask them, I say, hey, go to any major city in America. I don't care which one. What type of company owns the tallest buildings? They're banks. The banks. Yep. Every single one. Okay. And they get them through interest. They get them through those fees on the credit cards. So you want to stay away from that. You want to stay away from racking up debt. I'll tell you another one. No one's ever struck it rich based on the points they earned on their credit card. Okay. Really? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. None of that stuff is going to get you ahead. Okay. Any point that you earn on your credit card is just setting you up to spend more money on something. Oh, well, I got free airline tickets. I'm making it. Oh, really? Okay. So you just flew somewhere and flew right back? No, you rented a car and you got a hotel and you ate out. You did all this stuff. You spent $20,000 $20,000 on the vacation and you flew there for free. I'm not impressed. Okay. So the idea that you're earning points anywhere for anything, that's not going to get you ahead in life. So <clears throat> credit cards are there to uh, suck the life out of you. They are there to, uh, you know, move you backwards uh, as far as your financial freedom. So you, you, I learned about debt um, by being young and dumb, like a lot of people did. And I learned that it is always better to save up and buy everything for cash. And one thing that my wife and I have done through most of our life is uh, if we didn't have the money, we didn't buy it. And I did that with my business as well. And my business model for my small company 
is so much different than the model that so many people have, so many companies have as far as debt. I own my truck outright. I own my trailer. I own all my tools. I own everything in my company. I own my tractor and my chainsaw and my, you know, everything that has to do with my company. I own it outright. And there are so many companies. Caleb, do you remember in 2008 when um, President Obama got in and the economy crashed and the housing market went down? And it was just the worst time for so many Americans. Well, during that time, my company soared. And the reason is because so many guys went out of business. So many guys that borrowed for their truck and borrowed money for their trailer and borrowed money for their tools. And they, they were making great money in 2006 and seven, and they never missed an interest payment uh, when things were good. But then when the economy slowed down, so many of these guys were out of business overnight. And I had several friends who told me, they're like, Patrick, there used to be 12 hardwood floor companies in the phone book in 2007. He said in 2008, there were three of us. Okay. And for any of us that just played it smart by buying things for cash when we could afford it, when we couldn't afford it, save for it, we did so much better. You know, so that was really uh, the big lesson was learning how debt will just destroy you and to stay away from it. You know, that was a big one. So that was probably my number one biggest mistake. You know, another thing that I learned, well, no, we'll just stop there. I answered your question and I took too yeah, long. No, that's to good. Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, I'm not. I'm not here to beat up on people that, that have debt or use debt or use credit cards, but those were certainly for me uh, some of the big, some of the biggest uh, mistakes that I made. There's healthy ways to use. I mean, you even mentioned using the points on credit cards. I know people that run businesses and uh, run all their business expenses on a credit card, and then they're able to use the airline miles to do their business travel. But there's certainly ways to to use uh, some of those tools in smart ways it's just that they're actually not designed a lot of the perks are there to get to lure you in but they're not designed for smart people they're designed to take advantage of people that you know end up paying dumb dumbs. it's there to take advantage of dumb dumbs and i've never i've never had a car payment never bought a brand new car off of a lot um and we we recently uh, what was it? Oh, a week ago, we went and bought a refrigerator and it was a pretty nice, you know, one of these fancy stainless steel front refrigerators that has a computer in it and everything. And, um, we've never had a refrigerator like that, but we bought it used. It was like a, it was, well, it was a new, new refrigerator, but it had some scratches and dents in it. So we paid, uh, $650 for that refrigerator. But we, I told my wife, the problem is, is we paid more for our refrigerator than we did for our house. Because we live in a double white mobile home that um, I bought for six hundred dollars and, and turned around and remodeled it. So um, it's I've always I've always enjoyed getting something for um, for very little or nothing and learning how to make something out of it. You know, the idea of one man's junk is another man's treasure. I've ended up with some junk over over the years too, where I had too many projects didn't get around to something. Um, but I would say that my my trajectory with with uh, long-term wealth has is, is certainly been drastically different than some of my friends that are more successful than me and have utilized debt to get all the way from point A to, to point B with their goal. And they've utilized debt all the way. So I'm not, I'm not here to, 
to beat up against it. But it's um, that was for me the my debt was not smart debt. It was just for for pleasure, leisure, travel, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I had racked it up, and that was that was a a big burden for me. Well, I'm not sure. We've hit an hour and a half. I think we should call it good. And let's say we're going to get together again uh, next week. And, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. And I think we're going to go over a good uh, plan as far as, you know, kind of the one, two, threes, especially if you're young or if you're a little older to make some practical changes to start getting um, start getting. Uh, financially secure. And I definitely want to talk more about investments and some of the other odd jobs that Caleb and I have done in order to make a bunch of money on the side that has helped us out a lot, you know, um, because anyone can do it. You, you just have to be willing to take a little bit of a risk and to live your life a little bit differently. And if you want to look like everyone else, well, then you're going to be poor the rest of your life. Um, but, uh, you, you can be successful and to be honest with you, it's not that hard. Um, uh, my favorite saying is no one's ever drowned in sweat, you know? So if you're willing to work hard a little bit, you know, it, it's there for you, especially if you live in America in 2020, I hate to tell you, there is, there is no one to blame, but yourself for your failings. Um, you know, there are so many people, my grandfather came here with literally the shirt on his back, you know, and he started a business and supported his family. And, uh, you know, that was a long time, long time ago. And anyone can do it nowadays. The, the reason people make rafts out of garbage and try to float here from Cuba is because of the opportunity they have here. Okay. That's, that's the reason people are willing to risk their life is because they can give their family a better future here in America than they could in any other country, uh, from, you know, around the world today. Uh, that's all I got. Caleb, any last or closing thoughts? No, I just figured since obviously we share this podcast and a lot of you guys get it from a lot of Christian groups and um, places like that on Facebook, we're going to definitely have people that see the, the title and the, the typical cliche thing for a Christian to think is, you know, there's a few verses in the Bible that talk about money in a negative way. Um, and obviously Patrick and I are not promoting uh, greed or, um, uh, being focused primarily on the money but um before before you fire off some illogical comments about the fact that um people talking about the bible shouldn't be talking about making money or earning money um i I figured i'd uh, mention this scripture uh first timothy chapter six that uh chapter six verse 10 says for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and, and pierce themselves through with many arrows. I've heard this many, many times as far as the love of money being the root of all evil. And there is there is certainly um, a lot of discouragement among Chris, Christians to uh, to become wealthy or to become successful because you got to keep your focus on God. Um, that's that is true, but it also can handicap you if you if you don't take some of these steps that we've talked about as far as being becoming a good steward over what God has given you learning how to not, how not to squander it, waste it, how to actually handle money in a biblical way such that you are able to be effective in the kingdom such that you have enough enough money that you have an excess in your storehouse that you can give and share with other people. Uh, some of the most respected Christians that I, that I know um, are not wealthy Christians. They're not people that are super well-to-do. 
but they're people that have been smart enough that they have that they have enough that they can give and they give and yep. they give a lot. <laughs> and so whatever that looks like for you as a Christian, that should be your goal is to still be a generous, giving, uh, loving person and, um, and not to become self-centered or, or focused primarily on the money. But in order to get there to where you can really, really be useful, you can't give anything if you don't have it to give. And yeah. so I just thought I'd put a little perspective on it here at the end as far as as far as the idea. You don't just as a Christian, you don't just make money for the sake of money or for greed. But mm-hmm. in order to be useful and, and be able to actually do what we're supposed to do, if we are wise and if we're blessed by God, we, we will have. Well, I, I don't know if I should say we, we will have or everybody will have wealth. But God has given us the resources that we have. It, it is a gift from God. He intends for us to have um, have enough and, and also have enough to share and give. No, it's a good point. The only uh, place I've ever given out of is my abundance. If I don't have enough money to uh, put food on my table, I hate to tell you, I'm not helping anyone else out that month. Right. You know, I, I got to feed my kids first. Okay, everyone have a great week. We'll be back next week and we'll talk about it again and we'll have some more amusing anecdotes. Thank you everyone for sticking with us and making comments. Please get on Spotify. Please get on iHeartRadio. Please get on Google Play and listen to these and share them around. Have a great week. All right, have a good night. Thanks.